Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, my name is Jesse. I uh, I'm 29. I am a local co-business owner with my boyfriend. Um, I have a son. I have four bonus children. Uh, we're very busy people. I'm also yeah. a nursing student. Oh, nice. I was uh, abused as a child. I was sexually abused. Um, at the time, it was my father. Um, it was. I have no idea how long, to be honest. I It started when I was really little. Um, I don't remember much before kindergarten, honestly. So, like, I'm kind of jealous of people that have memories really? beyond, like, five years old because I yeah. have no idea what my life was like then. But after a while, you know, I... You know, you get older and you can fight back and stuff like that. It's kind of harder for them to hide things and get away with it. But, like, as a kid and it being your dad, it was kind of difficult to navigate as a kid, obviously. But also, like, him being my dad, I don't know how you hide that from society or like your wife or like you know it's just kind of one of those things where you know it's like my inner child for a long time in my early 20s was just screaming like why didn't any of you know you know and like I think the biggest thing that I've had to work through is like the regret of not coming forward and That still kind of eats at me today, but, you know, I went through what I went through, and there's nothing I can do about it now, but he was kind of an interesting character, Uh, one of those people that, like, everybody, you know, people didn't believe me. So, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. So, you did end up telling somebody? Eventually. um, But I was like... In 2009, I was 14, um, my house burned down, and (laughs) that's a whole nother story. It was his fault. Uh, (laughs) But my house burned down, tensions were high, trauma was lit, literally. (laughs) Uh, But we were living in a camper on, like, the property where our house was for, like, three months. Um, I'm not sure what the plans were for like rebuilding or like new house. I don't know. But I know it was like three months um, of living in this tiny camper, one bedroom, like 
me and my mom shared the bed and he slept on the couch and it was just awkward and I hated being there. It was too close for comfort. Um, I ended up like, I'm a freshman in high school and I had a bunch of like older friends that, you know, junior boys and stuff that I would hang out with at school and after school and stuff like that. And I ended up like going to do something with that. I think I was going to the ring ceremony at our high school. And so it wasn't anything like nefarious. I wasn't doing anything crazy. We were smoking cigarettes and like doing bad, you know, teenage decisions. But I was not where I told my mom I would be. Yeah. And so that became a whole ordeal. She had her mom intuition and was just like, shows up at my best friend's house where I was supposed to be and was like blowing my phone up trying to figure out where it was and I come walking up because I had my one of my guy friends drop me off down the street I was like I just know she's there like don't drop me off in front of her house (laughs) and I was right and she immediately was so mad at me she could smell cigarettes on my shirt she was just angry and eventually like They went through my phone and, you know, all that good parenting stuff. And so, you know, the fact that I was with boys, obviously, is a concern Mm -hmm. with a freshman daughter. And she was just so mad at me. She couldn't even look at me. But she was like, you're going to tell your dad what you did. And I was like, oh, great. Uh, (laughs) Wonderful. And (laughs) so I, I don't even remember what I said to him. I just, I don't know. I told him what happened, I guess, or like mom's version of what she thought had happened and he was just livid and just like starts making comments about the things that I was probably doing with these but which I never did yeah and it was just so frustrating for me that like I had to completely walk out like we were at my mom's uh hair salon I grew up in beauty salons my whole childhood so I have like seven moms and (laughs) so I Go outside. I'm, like, streaming tears down my face. I, like, punched a brick wall. My knuckles are bleeding. Um, One of my other moms comes outside and is just like, what is wrong with you? And I had never, up until this point, I had told, like, a few friends at school and stuff like that, but, like, told them not to tell anyone. And so I hid it very well up until... My mom found out, but, like, I had never told an adult before. I had never allowed a friend to tell an adult because at the time as a kid, like, and especially, like, I grew up in church. I was was raised Pentecostal. He was the one that brought me to church, which is kind of screwed up in, in and of itself. But I had a lot of issues with the fact that, like, I had friends with divorced parents or friends with dead dads. And, you know, you see all these different family dynamics where you're just like, okay, well, I don't know anybody else that's going through this, but not having my dad might be worse. Let's not find out, you know. And then there's the religious aspect of, like, honor thy father and mother above all else. And, like, that's the man that's bringing me to church. So it's very confusing as a kid. And... I just, I don't know. I I felt like also if 
it weren't me, like, what if he goes off and does these same things to someone else, you know? Like, he's going to find someone else if he leaves my mom, you know? What if I do this and he leaves and goes and does it to somebody else? Is that my fault? And I don't know. It was I had a lot of existential crises at a very young age because of that. But at this point... Dad's mad at me. Mom's mad at me. I'm mad. (laughs) And I'm just outside freaking out. And I just kind of like word vomited. And it was mostly like the frustration of like, you're mad at me about these things that you're assuming I did with boys when I've never done that with boys. And you've done worse to To me. um, You were talking to your dad when you said that. I Well... I was talking to my other mom, but kind of just like hypothetically, you know, how can you be mad about this when you've done worse? Yeah. And just like I kept saying things like that, and she's just like, hold on. Tell me what's going on. Like, what are you talking about? And I just – I could barely talk. I don't even know what my explanation was at the time. I'm sure it was very dramatic and sobby, but like – she goes back inside, goes and gets another other mom. And so I've got like three moms outside trying to talk to me and like calm me down. And they eventually helped me bring my mom outside and tell her what was going on. And my mom, I mean, bless her heart. She's obviously tensions are already high, but like her immediate reaction is like, you're trying to get out of trouble, which is like, kind of screwed up to be honest but I can see where she's coming from you know um troublesome little kids I mean it happens I'm sure it does I mean culture these days you know yeah but something that serious did you think that she would have taken your word for it um yeah and and she has uh it it took her a little while Because that's her husband, right? Yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, my mom was molested as a child, too. So it's like I feel bad for her. And there's a lot of, like, I know anger and resentment and, you know, not necessarily directed at her, but just kind of surrounding her um, that I've had to work through, really. But... Knowing what I know about her, and especially in retrospect now, of course, like, I mean, how would you have reacted? Yeah. Like you said, it's it's your husband. It's the father of or your child. Kids, like, yeah. you wouldn't expect that. And like I said, a lot of people thought that way about him. Like, he would never do that. That's not the kind of person he is. And even his family didn't believe me, the ones who, you know, are— in the faith like strictly pentecostal faith like nobody believed me and just it took her a couple of days kind of of like i could tell when she would start to like she'd come in my room at random times and just be like you know what i remember like and just like these little simple instances that kept like coming to her mind and she's like oh 
Okay. And those were the incidents that was happening when you were getting abused? Yes. And just like throughout my childhood, like he, and especially like when we were living in the camper, it was, you know, close quarters. It was really awkward and, you know, teeny tiny little showers that are in those things and stuff. And just like the bedroom was separated from the living room by like the sliding door that didn't lock for whatever reason. And I just, I remember one of the first things she realized was like, we all know you're taking a shower. You're getting ready to go to bed because you have school tomorrow. And he will literally just like open the door and bust up in there like very quickly and abruptly. And it's like she kind of just realized all these little things like him, you know, coming into my room or little, you know, things like that without going into too much detail. But like. It was just like all these little pieces she was putting together over the next few months, really. And it was it was hard for her at first because it was her husband. You know, we we were, you know, planning to leave and I heard some heated conversations over the phone. Um, Me eavesdropping. Uh, (laughs) But. For a while, she still, like, had us go and, like, have dinner with him or, like, go watch movies with him or something just to, like, I don't know. It it felt to me like phasing him out of our lives, but at the time, it was more, like, pity. Yeah. Because it was, like, he denied everything. Everything, He didn't you know, understand why she would say those things. And, like, I don't know. She felt bad, but, like, she she knew. Yeah. And eventually, like, our, our house burned down in February of 2009. I turned 15 in May of 2009. And on my 15th birthday was the day that we moved into an apartment by ourselves. Um, and it was probably the best birthday I can remember yeah even though we didn't have anything I mean most of what I had and my mom had after the fire was like hand-me-downs and things that were donated to me from my high school and like friends and family and stuff like that so it was it was nice to have those things but like having a place that was just ours that like nobody knew where we were he didn't know where we were She made sure we had a garage so, like, he couldn't find her car or anything like that. And, like, I just remember that night, like, getting the keys, going to our new apartment, sleeping on the floor in my bedroom because all I had was a mattress. And she got me this little, like, tiny single-serve chocolate cake and, Uh like, a balloon from CVS that said, it's a boy because that's all they had. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious, and I loved it. It was great. It was the best birthday ever. Yeah. It was like the emancipation of Jesse. And I mean, oh. after that, I thought like everything was going to go great. You know, life was going to be better. And in a sense, it was. But there was also a lot that like after being removed from the situation, like there were pieces that I started putting together and like. You know, their memories and flashbacks and nightmares and all of that stuff that's just like residual effects of, you know, trauma in general. But 
also like having to reconcile the fact that I didn't stop it. Because, I mean, technically I could have, but I also did the best that I could with what I had. Yeah. I mean, there's no really, there's no guidebook for how to be an abused child Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. And it, I don't know, it wears on you and you don't, there's nobody that can really tell you how to navigate it or how to heal from it and the biggest thing that I think I've learned is that it's a very individual journey and like everyone processes it so differently like based on what happened who it was you know things like that your your brain chemistry is literally different like the way that you process emotions and situations and <coughs> solve problems is like Everything is backwards yeah. <laughs> and not to mention the fight or flight stuff that you have to deal with. It's just, and in the most formative years, like as a teenager being 15, 16, 17 years old, like I pretended that I was okay. Okay. Yeah. That was really the only way that I knew to get through it. Yeah. So it stopped at 14? Pretty much. Abuse. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember him, like, coming into the bedroom in the camper trying to, like, touch me while I'm sleeping, like. And this is after the your trailer yeah. was on? So he still stayed with you guys? Yeah, in the, in the camper after the house burned down, we were sleeping in this camper that he had. Yeah. And um, you said, sorry, you said that it was his fault. What happened on the... So that was some more pieces that my mom put together later. But the day of the fire, I remember I was playing video games in my room. I spent a lot of time alone as a kid. Yeah. So I was in my bedroom playing something, eating Cheetos, whatever. My mom yells at me across the house to clean my bathroom. And I'm, you know, rolling my eyes. Ugh, mom, whatever. I go get all the cleaning supplies from the kitchen and bring them back over to my bathroom. I remember taking my retainer out and putting it in like a cup of mouthwash or something on the counter and I'm just cleaning my bathroom. And then all of a sudden I heard like this really loud pop and it was like an oddly familiar sound, but also I had no idea what was going on. And all of a sudden I just hear like it's a trailer. So like, you hear every footstep yeah. in the entire house. But I hear my mom like stomping down the hallway, coming to look down the hall. My my bedroom's at the end of the hall. My brother's back from a deployment or something when that happened, but he wasn't home. Anyway, um, my brother's room was in the middle of the hall, and then like the living room is on the other end of the hall. She comes from the living room, runs down the hall, and then all of a sudden I hear her go, oh, my God, a fire. And I was like, oh, whoa, what? Hold on. And I had no idea what to do. I'm not wearing a bra. I'm not wearing shoes. I, and my mom is just yelling at me to get out. Get out, yeah. So I run to my room real quick, grab my phone. And my niece, who was, I think, two at the time, was in the living room. And I just I grabbed my Blackberry out of my bedroom and went and grabbed my niece 
and I ran out of the house. I didn't have shoes on. We lived in the country. It was horrid. My dog ran outside and, like, started running around the neighbor's yard, and I'm getting stickers in my feet, and, like, I was, like, bleeding and trying to chase my dog down and calling 911 at the same time and talking to the cops, and they're telling me to calm down. I'm like, I can't. My house is on fire. I need my dog. I have a baby. I'm only 14. I don't know what's going on. Like, it was surreal, and it was all kind of a blur, but later my mom started like telling me these things that she was remembering and one of them was like hey a week before that or you know not too long before the fire actually happened she said he had come into the house wearing coveralls middle of like the summer not cold at all just coveralls smelling like gasoline and he came in the house and she was like, what are you doing? Like, where have you, where are you wearing that to? Like, what, how do you smell like gas? I have so many questions. Yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah. she said that the day of the fire, not long before that actually happened, the same thing happened. And he came in with coveralls. He smelled like gas. And like, we lived in the country. So like, we burned all of our, you know, things Trash, that you would recycle, yeah. we burned. So we had, like, our backyard up a hill. That was our burn pile where we would normally do all of that, like, away from the house, away from the trees, and, like, a little clearing where it was safe to do that. Well, lately, at that time, he had been kind of, like, moving it closer and closer to the house and had ended up, like, burning stuff that day right behind the house, like, behind my brother's bedroom window, and she complained. I remember her complaining about it all the time and telling him, stop doing that. Like, you're going to catch the house on fire. What are you doing? Yeah. And it just, like, I don't know. She just assumed that he didn't care, I guess. Um, I think that it was actually, like, ruled an electrical fire by the fire department. But, I mean, it there was a fire in the backyard right yeah. and then the grass and then my brother's window. Yeah. And... It kind of sucked because he had just, like I said, gotten back from deployment. All of his, like, stuff Stuff was in that closet. And, like, you – I went back into the house after, you know, the next day, and there was no floor. There was no seal. Like, that entire room was gone. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage – all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey, Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah. And it was kind of like (laughs) I was a pyro as a kid, so, like, it was fun to watch. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But, I mean, it was just kind of cool 
Yeah. To see something so, like, powerful and, like, I don't know, at that point in my life, like, I think it was a lesson that I needed to learn as a kid just to let go of all of this stuff. Yeah. Because stuff honestly, no. Yeah. Because honestly, I was I was spoiled, like, to the point where, you know, they they love bomb and they give you gifts and they bribe and manipulate and... I was a spoiled kid. Like, I, I have siblings, but I was essentially an only child because my brothers were, they lived with my grandma for most of my childhood. So, like, I was by myself a lot of the time. Um, I was very fortunate, and they bought me lots of toys, lots of clothes. My mom is, like, creative beyond imagination and like I had an amazing painted bedroom and like all the coolest things in my room and I loved it it was like my sanctuary it didn't feel safe at the time but you know I at least had a fortunate upbringing as well that's kind of messed up to say but (laughs) other than the abuse Abuse, you know I was a very fortunate kid and I think I put a lot of value on a lot of that stuff because I was so isolated. Um, I spent most of my time in my room playing video games, playing guitar, playing music, like writing, singing, whatever I could do to like try to make myself happy. And losing all of that kind of just like, I don't know, it, it taught me to value things that you know, you're not necessarily given. Yeah. Um, I kind of had a little bit of a meltdown after it happened just because, like, I didn't want my life to be put on hold. And, like, the next day I wanted to go to school and they wouldn't let me. And, like, which was stupid because we had to go to a laundromat and, like, wash all of our clothes and my backpack and all this stuff, like, nine times yeah. just to get the smell out. And I still would, like, go to school and, like, open a binder and get a waft of, like, the smoke. The like, smoke, it was yeah. it was disgusting. And, I mean, but I just didn't – I didn't want to stop long enough to care. And I guess that's kind of just, like, how I had always lived, you know, like, flying by the seat of my pants. Just let's go to school. Come on. And, I mean, I was a cheerleader. I, I did pageants. I was – I've always been like this go, 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 busy kind of lifestyle, which I carried into adulthood and ended up like working three jobs and only being home to eat and sleep and I don't know, just distracting myself. to get your mind off of things. Which is a horrible habit that I've had to try to break myself of, but I don't know. It was just, it was a lot. But I think losing all of that And, like, I wish that at the time I could have, like, taken that as an opportunity to heal then. Um, But I proceeded to be a giant turd in high school and just, like, get myself into trouble and, you know, experiment with partying and boys and, you know, just getting into things that I didn't need to because the people that I was around seemed to care about me. 
Um, which, I mean, I've had a million toxic relationships since we left him just because, you know, your attachment styles and, like, your view of love is so broken when someone does that to you, especially, like, he used to try to talk me into things all the time and, like, say this is what you do when you love someone and, like if you loved me, you would do this. If you loved me, you would do that. And it was just like being a 15 year old girl and like having that voice in the back of your head saying like, Hey, sex is how you get what you want. You know, yeah. like, or no how you make them stay or yeah, how you make them happy. Exactly. But that's not and it. I mean, like it was just this constant like need for love. And it was I wasn't finding it, obviously, because I'm searching for it in all the wrong places. And just like, I was a little deviant when I was in high school. And I mean, I I was very angry, yeah. too. I mean, I, I had a lot of, there was a lot of drinking and, you know, dabbling in things that I had no business doing. And that kind of carried into my young adult life later on which I have had to free myself from a little bit. I never, like, I didn't have any addiction problems by any means, but just constantly trying to not numb the pain, but, like, take myself out of the equation. Like, just, I don't, disassociating, I guess. Yeah. By chemical means. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It was... A wild ride. We did go to his apartment and, like, have dinner or watch a movie together or whatever. And it was so uncomfortable, and I hated every second of it. But I did it, you know. I mean, there was still that part of me that was like, this is your dad. Like, suck it up. Yeah. He's not going away, you know. But he did go away, you know. And mom eventually, like didn't want anything to do with him um she kind of hates him now honestly it's (laughs) scary but (laughs) I did eventually get the authorities involved but it was after I got some crazy news which was also probably something that I really had to work through as a teenager but I remember being at school one day and my mom texted me and was like, I have to talk to you about something after school. And that's the worst thing that you can, we have to talk. Yeah. yeah. Just tell me now. Please, please. (laughs) I was so mad. I was like, mom, just what is wrong? And then like, she picks me up from school because I was a car line kid. And I'm like, okay, what's up? Like, tell me now. I'm going to freak out. Wouldn't tell me. And like, I had noticed that, you know, prior to this, she had started, like, hiding that she was smoking cigarettes again, like, on our patio at our apartment and, like, seemed very, like, restless and antsy. So I had no idea what was going on. I I don't know what I assumed at the time, but I did not expect what she told me. So she, we get to her hair salon and... She's still kind of restless. She's pacing a little, you know, like 
just seems nervous. And I was so confused. I was just like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And she brings me outside, lights a cigarette, which, again, is like a new thing. She quit smoking for years. And I was just like, okay, out with it. Let's go. Like, she looks at me and she says, what would you say if I told you that he wasn't your dad? And I just like started ball like tears just streaming down my face and she was like oh my god I'm so sorry like she didn't know what to do with me because like she didn't know why I was crying exactly and she's thinking like that I'm upset that he's not my dad but like yeah how did you feel I was I mean it's kind of upsetting because like once it set in, I had to kind of reconcile these feelings of, like, betrayal and, like, being lied to. But, like, I just felt relieved. Yeah, in some way. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't – I no longer had this idea that, like, I share DNA with this monster. Yeah. Which is what he was. And – I just remember being so, like, conflicted. And, like, I mean, I was a crier. I've always been a crier. I'm still a crier. But, like, I just didn't know what to do but cry. And she was just like, I'm sorry, no. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, I don't want him to be my dad. Like, that's horrible. But she told me that, like, she had recently written a letter to my biological dad. And he finally answered. And... He had agreed to meet me and all this stuff. And so that was what she was kind of organizing and getting antsy about. And so when she finally told me, it was a little overwhelming. But I was excited because now all of a sudden, like, I have a dad that (laughs) didn't abuse me. You know, like, it was, it felt like. A new beginning, kind yeah. of. And then and she how told old me, were you I was, I was fifteen, 15? still. Yeah, I think it was after the next school year had started. Um, so probably a few months into that. Uh, and she told me about him. I was excited. I was kind of nervous. Uh, she told me that he had daughters. So all of a sudden, I had three sisters. sisters yeah. Um, it was it was pretty cool. And, you know, getting to know them and getting to know my dad and stepmom and stuff like that, it was, it helped me kind of get through some of that just because I had something else, like, positive to look forward to. And it felt like I had another family all of a sudden, which I did. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a turning point, but also we're not all that close like we don't we don't really talk now but like I still keep up with my sisters um they had a little sister all of a sudden and I was like dang it I would have been a bomb big sister like (laughs) so that was kind of sad but she was like 12 or 13 I think when we met so like I still kind of got to experience that a little bit but I'd been, like, treated like this only child for so long that, like, this big family was so exciting to me. And I always thought that I wanted a big family. I ended up with a rather large clan now. (laughs) 
So, I mean, it was just, I felt welcome and like home. Yeah. Kind of, you know, even though it wasn't like a conventional home or anything like that, but like, I don't know. It felt like, okay, I'm not part of this like dirty, shameful, you know, circle of people because he wasn't the only one in his family that has been accused of those things. And I wasn't the only victim either. And so eventually, you know, at first I was just like, I don't want to see him again. I would be okay if I never saw this person ever again in my entire life. But eventually I kind of, I guess the rage caught up with me. And I was kind of just like, you know what, screw that guy. Like, yeah. He deserves whatever's coming to him. And so the I don't even know how it really happened, but the best way that I found to <laughs> alert the authorities of this was I was in AP English my junior year, I think, and we had to write like a personal essay of some sort. And it was like she gave examples of like, you know, a an event in your life and then another event that, you know, resulted from that and then, like, a turning point event, like, you know, phases of life kind of thing. And so immediately, like, my head goes to my life and, like, what's happened? And I ended up writing this really – it was a really beautiful essay. I actually still have it in a closet somewhere. But um, I wrote about dad – stepdad, whatever, Satan, uh, <laughs> the fire, and then, like, meeting my new dad. So it was kind of like this phoenix rising from the ashes kind of story. And, like, before I wrote it, I actually asked, like, in front of the class and everything, I didn't care, I asked her, like, was there, I don't even know how to phrase it, I basically asked her if anything was, like, off limits. Uh, like, yeah. is there... Would it be okay if, like, these elements were in this writing? And she's like, well, depending on the severity, of course, like, I am legally obligated to report certain things, you know? So I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. Um, I don't care. And she, I still have the essay. I still have the sticky note she put on it with her phone number oh. afterwards because she read it and she was like this is this was really beautiful but also like are you okay well yeah. <laughs> call me if you ever need anything and so it was like kind of me setting myself free from it a little bit but like I knew that like some stuff was about to go down yeah. because I did that I knew that <laughs> I was kind of opening a can of worms to say the least but definitely got reported <laughs> so had to talk to like school administration and things like that they of course like alert the gingerbread house or whatever like I think it was the care house or something that I ended up having to go to but had to get evaluated and like uh did some counseling for a little while um that I was not very good at but I uh did all that ended up I spoke to the police after, like, all that stuff was reported, of course, but, like, I don't know if it went through, like, 
a CPS kind of thing. I'm not really sure what the whole process was, but I remember I worked at Splash Kingdom in the summer after my sophomore year or junior year, something like that. And the sheriff that was over my case, like, picked me and my best friend up from my me and my mom's apartment and, like, she was going to interview me and then, like, go drop me off at work because, like, my mom was at work. I don't know. I don't know why they agreed to do this, but it was kind of cool. She bought me candy bars. It was great. Yeah. Um, so she picks me up from our apartment, and I go to the Caddo Sheriff's office, and we sat down, and, like, I have this camera in my face. This stranger I've never met is, like, staring at me in this weird chair, and we're in this tiny little room, and it was – Horrible. I don't, it was so awkward, but like for the first time, I actually had to sit there and like recount details and like timelines and you know, specific incidents and situations and stuff like that. And just it was a lot. I, I don't even know how long I was there, but it was, it was a lot. Yeah. And, my poor friend, she ended up going in there, too, because they were like, do you want to say anything? She's like, I've only known her for a couple years, but oh. sure, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I love her to death. I just yeah. went to her baby shower the other day, actually. Oh, nice. She <laughs> she sat in there and gave some sort of testimony as well. Um, basically, after that, Essentially, the statute of limitations in Louisiana is essentially what gets in the way of that. I believe that they told my mom that they did make contact with him. Um, I don't know if, like, they went to his house or if they called him. I, I don't really know. But apparently they did speak with him. I don't know what was discussed. I don't know what they asked him or if they, like, brought him in or anything like that. But essentially with no physical evidence and how long it had been, there was nothing they could do. So my mom and I, like I said, I know I'm not the only one. And my mom and I had talked to uh, actually his previous stepdaughter's. Um, who I really wanted my mom to just like betray all trust and like bring screenshots of like messages and stuff like that. Just so like with other people involved, there would be more weight, you know, behind the case and they would do something. Yeah. But she just didn't want to put herself through that. I mean, understandably so, especially with as removed as she was, you know, my whole life happened after she got away from him. So, like, it's a long time. Yeah. But she was very closed off, did not want to talk about it, you know, just wanted nothing to do with it. And I remember not long after that was about when we found out he was seeing someone else. And I did, I think I was pregnant by then. So I was probably a senior and he ended up calling my mom randomly and like she saw the phone number immediately and knew who it was. But like 
he called her and said that like his wife and he had found my like class ring from like middle school. It was like my eighth eighth grade ring, I guess. I don't I don't remember, but like I hadn't seen it since before the fire. So I wasn't missing it. I didn't care. But he said that his wife made him call and see if like that was something that we wanted to come pick up or something like that. And my mom probably shouted expletives at him and hung up the phone, honestly. But like that was the only time he's ever like tried to make contact with me. With you again, yeah. Yeah, or her for that matter. Like, and I was just like, like, a ring? You think that I want that? Like, I, we don't want to see you yeah. for anything, especially not that. But at that point was when, like, my mom had confirmed that, like, he was seeing someone else. And he did end up marrying her, and she did have a daughter. And that was, you know, one of my biggest fears. Yeah. I... That was, like, part of the driving force behind me keeping my mouth shut for so long was, like, I didn't want it to happen to anybody else. And now it was, like, all of a sudden, because of me, because this man is walking around doing whatever, like, now he has access to another little girl. Yeah. And my mom (laughs) is crazy. Like, don't – you don't want to be on her bad side, but – she ended up, like, contacting the little girl's dad and, like, just telling him all the stuff. And uh, so he ended up, I think. So that wasn't his daughter? No. Which he does have a biological daughter, and he's never done anything like that to her. Yeah. So it's just the ones that don't technically belong to him. Yeah. Um. Which I'm the only one that, like, has his last name and, you know, leaves on my birth certificate. How did you, um, how did you overcome that? I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm at a point now where I'm, like, pretty well balanced, emotionally speaking. And that really has only come in the last year. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost 30, and, like, I finally feel like a person. Yeah. You know, this thing that happened to me was my identity for so long. And I'm rather, you know, it probably was more like avoiding it or hiding it, like pretending not to be this tra- traumatized, abused child was my identity, honestly. And... I kind of became like a chameleon in all of my, you know, life situations just because I didn't know how to act. Yeah. I didn't know it was normal. And so, like, school was kind of like my safe haven because I was legit safe there. And so friends and, like, cheerleading and stuff like that was – my only escape aside from like being at home and hiding in my bedroom so like learning how to figure out who I was instead of just like going out and like mimicking other people and how they act and how I think I should act kind of 
you know, gave me an identity crisis really early in life because I didn't, everything felt so fantasized, basically. Like I was just whoever I wanted to be that day. And I was really angry all the time. I was not very nice to some people. I know I wasn't. And even in a lot of the toxic relationships that I've had as an adult, you know, even after having my son, like I'm not certainly not blameless in a lot of those situations, but I know now like why I acted the way that I did and why I felt the way that I did and thought the way that I did. And for a long time, I really like, I thought there was something wrong with me. And like, I was convinced that It wasn't PTSD. Like, I wasn't having flashbacks. Like, I convinced myself that I was fine. And I could openly talk about this with anybody. A hobo on the street. I could sit there and talk about my abuse with. Like, I thought I was okay. Yeah. For a really long time. And I was sorely mistaken. So, I just, I had this idea in my head that, like, it's not PTSD. It's not trauma. Like, something else is wrong with me. I'm so angry all the time. I can't control my moods. I'm legit crazy. And it took, I actually was hospitalized uh, last year, the year before, something like that, recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was where I was diagnosed bipolar. Which, at the time, I was like, okay, it all makes sense now. Like, yep, we're going to accept that. Cool. For those that doesn't know what bipolar is, can you explain to us? So, I always kind of had, like, a sneaking suspicion that I could be bipolar. Um, And it's mostly, a lot of people think, like, you know, bipolar people are very hot and cold. They're, like you know, hard to get along with, um, you know, flip of a switch kind of mood swings. And there is this idea that like bipolar people are depressed for a long time and then they're manic for a long time or whatever. But there's like, there's a few different spectrums of bipolar disorder. Like there's two different types. There is also like Uh, rapid cycling bipolar where like there's no rhyme or reason you kind of just like go through manic and depressive phases you know without any kind of cyclical you know some people have like seasonal depression and things like that that kind of you know there are triggers that cause these shifts in personality essentially but like At the time, it made sense to me because mania is, like, this phase where people typically, like, act very recklessly and impulsively and, like, feel elated and, like, on top of the world, like, they can do anything. And, you know, there's – there was this period of time in 2019 after I left nursing school – the first time I was there. Uh, And that was kind of like shortly after I felt like what was kind of the manifestation of like these symptoms that made me start 
you know, leaning towards bipolar disorder, but like I was just very angry. I was moody. I couldn't control my emotions. Um, very quick to react, short fuse. But then in 2019, after I left school, I got extremely depressed. Um, and, you know, grades were slipping, and I decided it was just best if I leave before, you know, I tank my grades and I can't go back. So I left, and then there was like this months-long downward spiral where I literally stopped paying my bills for a few months. I, you know, was, you know, going out and drinking and partying a lot and just not taking care of myself or my responsibilities. I wasn't sleeping at home where I lived. I was staying with a friend. Um, I would, like, not check in with my son enough. And so my mom decided that, like, she was going to keep him for a while, which sparked a whole nother, like, rage inside of me that was just, you know, I was kind of just living recklessly, you know, to say the least. Yeah. And I, I got to that point again where, like, I didn't care about myself. And I, it got really dark. Honestly, but like after the the high, it was kind of like I felt 10 foot tall and bulletproof and, you know, was just doing whatever the heck I wanted. Yeah. And like looking back at that now, it was so selfish and like stupid, but. Yeah. What was the moment when you're like, OK, I need to stop this and start really focusing on yourself, your son, your life? <laughs> So I actually, I got really close to this person who was like the first person in my life that I really felt understood by. And within a week of meeting him, I actually saved him from suicide, which is crazy. Like red flag number one, honestly, but like which I, I was sounded insensitive, but regardless, I knew him very well so quickly that like I knew that he was doing that or attempting to. Attempting, yeah. And so I played a role in, you know, stopping that from happening. So that kind of like trauma bond, uh, brought us closer together in a sense and we ended up like I spent every day with this guy and my best friend too and he would like come and stay with us at her apartment and you know party with us and stuff like that but like eventually he ended up going to jail with <laughs> a large amount of charges for like child pornography and things like that oh my gosh yeah which he was also abused by a father figure as a child. So, like, I had this kindred spirit that, like, really, truly understood, like, emotionally, like, deep down how I had felt my entire life. And I became a statistic as, like, a teen mom, sexual deviant. But, like, he seemed to be becoming the statistic that, like, perpetuates the cycle. And I'm not 
saying that he would do that. I don't know. He is still in jail, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I know. But it was kind of like re-triggering for me because it was just kind of like a shock that that person who I felt so like emotionally close to and understood and like heard by was doing that another monster, you know, and just it was hard to deal with that because like it he had become this person that I spent so much time with and then that just kind of like it was a crash and burn I was distraught and I didn't eat for a few days um I was having trouble sleeping I had friends that were like come stay in my house like I'm gonna feed and clothe you and make sure you shower you know like it was one of those deals where I just completely fell apart I didn't know what to do And so I, my mom actually saw his mugshot on the news, I think, and was like, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And I was just like, I don't know what to do. I I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand life. I don't understand anything. And like, why is this happening to me? And so I eventually was just like, can I just come home like (laughs) and I think I just like packed all of my stuff into my car and brought it to my mom's house but like it was kind of it felt like a step backward um which honestly I had already done that myself by acting the way that I had for the few months prior but it really was like a humbling experience to realize like, hey, you're really screwing your life up right now. Like you need to refocus. <laughs> and I had a lot of, uh, I definitely latched onto my son pretty hard after that and kind of had to, you know, rethink how I was, you know, treating and parenting him and really kind of start figuring out my stuff, you know? Like, I I realized that there was stuff that I hadn't healed from. And I thought that I was okay for so long that it was just kind of like, wow, I am weak. (laughs) And it's it sucks to feel like that, but, like, I mean, what do you do? Went through a thing. I had to deal with it. Uh, that's you know the same for any situation in life but and now you're healing absolutely yeah and I honestly I wouldn't be where I am in this journey now if it weren't for my boyfriend he is probably the only person that has you know, male companion-wise, he's probably the only person who's actually sat and talked to me at length and in detail about, you know, what I've been through, how it felt, and how it feels now. And, like, there were a lot of things that I learned about myself and how I handle things, and those kind of 
taught me that I've had this like victim mindset for so long that like all of those toxic relationships I went through and blamed those people for all of the problems that we had. Like I was not the best partner either. Yeah. You know, so like I've had to kind of reconcile with myself a lot of things that I didn't realize that I was doing. Um, and just like focus on why I was doing those things and why I react to things the way that I do and so intensely. Like I'm a very, very emotional person and like at the flip of a switch I can turn on you. And it's just because it's like a defense mechanism, I guess. You know, yeah. like I don't know, I snap a lot. And I've had to really, really work on that, especially with, like, the kids and things like that. Because just, like, me trying to be in control of my life and every aspect that I can has made it to where it's hard to be around me when I feel like I'm not in control. So, like, snapping at the kids for, like, not picking up their mess or, you know, somebody making noise somewhere unnecessarily like I've just gotten to the point where I've had to teach myself not to freak out and get overstimulated and like upset and irritable and I remember there was a point where I was sitting on the bed with my boyfriend and he was just like why are you so angry who are you mad at yeah why are you I know and I'm like I don't you just, I've been trying to figure this out, out for yeah, years. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. What, why it's do you like, think I'm mad? Please yeah. tell me. It's like once you find out, let me know exactly. so I can fix me. And like I, I, he sat there and he looked at me and he was like, I feel like you have some like really unresolved emotions yeah. of, you know, involving your mom and like the fact that this happened to you. Yeah. And, like, nobody came to your rescue, you know? Like, that wasn't really... Like, of course that thought is in your mind, but, like, it didn't seem like a a reigning idea in my head to where, like, it was a problem. problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I just... And I hate that because, like, I understand my mom's point of view. Like, she was married to this man. It was... For 15 years, he was her partner, and I I get, you know, how you can be blinded by certain things, especially when I was hiding stuff. So, I mean, there's no way around it. Imagine the things that you went through, but, and I'm so sorry that happened to you, but I just want to say not. thank you for coming. You know, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not. It's, I mean, I am who I am now because of it. And I think that, I thank God every day that, like, you know, at least I now have learned something from it. And I'm going to be a better mom and a better partner and a better friend and nurse, too. Like, I don't, I'm going to be so much better because of what I've learned from this, even though it took me 30 years. I mean, (laughs) it, you know, there's no timeline. There's no guidebook. There's no instructions. 
Yeah. At least you recognize it and you're trying to do better, exactly. which is Some amazing. people never heal. Yeah, exactly. And they stay the same. Right. But with you, I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Do you feel better? Yeah. Yeah. It's like another therapy session. It really is. A free one. Getting it out is like... It's good, right? It's it's so therapeutic. Even yeah. if you don't like intend for it to be like just talking about yeah. 